1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, a cold
2: opening day. The Pirates have kept the Cub Bats cold. And Rodriguez gets the strikeout, and that's the ball game. Pirates won at five-three.
3: Oh, no credit for that. Sorry, no, that's just bad news. The uh, Cubs have been surprisingly allowed. To continue the season after destroying baseball. After being the poster children for everything that's bad about a sport that needs to be wrecked and 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 remade completely, they have a new lineup. Don't know if they have new hope, but they have a new old pitcher. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. This is Saturday Suckage. We welcome to the show. We go to the score hotline, brought to you by Alpamani Nissan. Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. From the Chicago Tribune, she covers the Cubs. She works for my editorial Queen Amanda Kashubi. She is Megan Montemurro. Megan, thank you for joining us today.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me.
3: So you Jake Arietta starts today, and you, you did you guys were you guys a package deal from Philadelphia <laughs> where you used to work to, to Chicago and you just you have to do that, you have to cover him, you have to hope that he can look like that guy that everybody wants to see that they used to see. Is that how this works? <laughs> yeah. Apparently the
4: Philly to Chicago pipeline is, is very strong. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, he, he's talked a lot this spring about how he felt that the injuries that he dealt with and Philly, you know, kind of affected uh, his mechanics and he just got out of whack over the course of those three years. And, you know, him and, Pitching coach Tommy Haddovey to and, you know, they the really want to make you know, He found ways to kind of get him back on track. He talked about correcting his arm path um, and just, you know, really trying to take advantage of those six weeks in Arizona to work out the kinks. So today will be a good test to see if, if everything that they worked on uh, paid off.
2: What did they it, – It's the mechanics thing is odd to me because he, he – when he came to the Cubs – and Chris Bosio was the, the pitching coach. And they, they let him go back to being the way he was prior to Baltimore. And he kind of always talked about how when he was there, they tried to change his mechanics. And then he comes to the Cubs and they said, you just be you, man, even if your mechanics are crazy. Did they try to tighten him up again in Philadelphia? I'm trying to understand why he would allow his mechanics to be screwed around with.
4: Well, I think it's less, you know, letting them tinker with it. But, you know, the injuries he dealt with, the first year he was in Philly, he dealt with, like, a knee meniscus issue that he pitched through that he ended up, you know, making worse in the you know, the first offseason he had there and needed surgery. And then the next year he came to camp and he had another bone spurs issue that came up that he tried to pitch through until it became clear in about August that, you know, he just he couldn't be effective um, and, you know, the combination of those two things, it seems like, you know, in his mind, he feels like, you know, he had to compensate for some of those problems, especially the arm one. You know, there, it got to the point where, you know, when he was pitching his bone for that, he, he had to stop throwing his curveball as much. Um, there was stuff that he was trying to do to get through the games where, um, you know, to try to minimize pain. Um, so I, I definitely could see how. You know, when you try and compensate like that, things can get out of whack, and it can be hard to get back to what what you are supposed to be doing. Um, so they really tried to kind of like break stuff down and kind of build him back up. And there's optimism, you know, from Arietta and and the Cubs that they they have him on the right track.
3: We're talking with Megan Montemurro. She covers the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune. Steve Rosen, Lou Mark Rody, with you on Saturday. Suckage. You wrote about Arietta making his, the, the new old guy, making his start before the, the, before the Cubs again in the stadium where there were raucous cheers, and I imagine he'll get a standing ovation when he walks out there from whatever number of people are, are there. And other Cubs pitchers have gone through this before, and you talked with Fergie Jenkins. Say, you know, share with the class what Fergie said and how this might or might not apply to Jake Arrieta's start today.
4: Yeah, you know, I thought, I thought for his perspective was interesting. And, you know, one of the main takeaways was, you know, that there is a comfort for a pitcher when you step on that mound in a place that you've pitched so many games and you've had so much, so much success there at at an earlier part in your career where, you know, you've been at the peak, um, you know, as a competitor, that there's something that your mind and body just recognizes that and you, you feel a different level of comfort. Um, So I thought that was really interesting to hear. And, you know, obviously, Fergie was a little bit older than Jake was. You know, he was 38 when he came back to Chicago. But, you know, still, similarly, you know, his best years were behind him. And so, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, can he kind of, you know, area that can recapture some of that success they had before? And obviously, it's going to have to come in a different way. He's not going to be throwing 97 like he did before. He's not going to put together, you know, that incredible 2015 season again. But, going to be closer to the guy that he was towards the end of his Cubs career versus, you know, what was seen in theory the last few years. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see if, if that comfort level really does kind of help, you know, in, in conjunction with the mechanical adjustments.
2: On the offensive side of things today, David Ross has Wilson Contreras leading off against the lefty Tyler Anderson, obviously a different look throughout the Cubs lineup today. Do you think that David Ross this year because of the problems with the offense in the last couple of years we're going to see a lot of this where he is not going to hesitate to change around the lineup if this continues with the Cubs struggling offense which is turning into a chronic issue
4: yeah one thing he kind of said um, a couple times over the course of spring was that one thing that he learned from last year was you know not to to wait things out so long and you know obviously some of that last year is the byproduct of you know, a 60-game season, that can come back to hurt you a lot quicker, um, you know, if you stick with a guy or a lineup or a pitcher too long. But it sounds like he learned from that, and he's not going to give guys as long as a, as long of an opportunity to work through, through some things. And, obviously, it's a little harder when, you know, if you're carrying an extra pitcher in terms of the lineup, you know, you only have so many options to, to slot in there, but you know, I think it's interesting that, you know, he, he wanted to get Marisnick in there, you know, even though happy, of your leadoff guy and a switch hitter, you know, he wanted to get him in there because they had so many off days in these first couple weeks. Um, and, you know, he, he stayed true to so far the promise to Doc Peterson. He's been there starting today against the lefty. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of how long he, he rides that. And it's really going to be up to the guys in the lineup to, to prove they deserve to getting playing time, especially some of those guys like Peterson who, you know,
3: have to kind of prove something. Our guest is Megan Montemurro. She covers the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune. We're talking Cubs here on the score. Megan, well, we were discussing earlier um, the two best arguments for the Cubs, whatever direction they might have, is maybe every the division sucks and And not all these guys, who are the core of the of the lineup, can suck again. They can't all do it at once, which is is um, sort of is is reaching. It just doesn't seem like the most um, the strongest kind of argument. So as you come to this team and covering it and this organization for the first year, and you looked at it from afar, and now. As up close as you can get, I will ask you and maybe even defy you to describe what is the Cubs' direction—the team that traded you, Darvish and still paying part of it, and brings back Jake Arrieta—and uh, we're trying to figure that out. What is the direction?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of alluded to it. I think I mean, I think this is either going to go one or two ways. You know, they did really well. They get back to the postseason. You know, guys like Bryant and and Rizzo in particular, you know, are are back to their career norms. A guy like Zach Davies, you know, builds off that spring and and continues it into the season. And, you know, maybe they either threaten to win the division or they get in as a wild card team or on the flip side. You know, they're going to be bad. (laughs) And um, I know that's a very wide spectrum, but I, I don't really think that this is a team that you're going to see 500. All that because you know, Jed Hoyer made pretty clear that if things are not trending in the right direction three months in, that the team could look very different. Uh, come the all uh, come, come the trade deadline, so um, the, the pressure is certainly on this group, and you know, you'd like to think, and, and the Cubs certainly believe that you know, some of these guys being in the walk walkier that it's gonna help them and you know, they're gonna play better because of it. Um, obviously, we'll see if that forecast is accurate, but. Um, I mean, it really feels like, you know, if if this team can get into the postseason with with the group that they have, that it's a lot easier to bridge the gap to the next iteration of this team, whatever it may look like, um, you know, depending on who of the the three main um, pending free agents are, versus, you know, if if things go poorly and and you're unloading guys, um, it it obviously makes the short-term future a lot more murky.
2: After hearing from the general manager, Jed Hoyer, this week and from Anthony Rizzo as it pertains to his potential future with the Cubs. What is your educated guess on on Rizzo being with the Cubs long term or beyond this year?
4: I mean, I still would be surprised if they don't re-sign him. I mean, he's the perfect guy that you want to, again, you know, bridge that gap to whatever this team looks like in the next couple of years. Um, You know, those teams always need some sort of veteran leader, he's been the face of this franchise for the past decade. Um, You know, you would hope that you can find some middle ground. And, you know, obviously the negotiations can always be tough when one side, you know, values themselves higher than maybe the organization views them. But, you know, I think if it it does get to free agency, that doesn't rule out, you know, him coming back either, I I think a great example is obviously J.K. Will Nuto with the Phillies. You know, they didn't agree to anything, and, and ultimately they re-signed him to a big contract in the off-season. So, you know, just because he potentially gets to free agency doesn't preclude him from coming back. But I have to think that, you know, in the coming months, um, they're able to find that middle ground and bring him back because, you know, I think of those three, he makes the most sense.
3: Megan, before we let you go, we need a weather report.
4: Well, it's definitely warmer than opening day, so that's good for anyone coming to the game today. Um, and it's, it doesn't feel as windy, uh, so it's sunny. I think it's the 60-ish, um, during the game, so definitely kind of the weather you hope for when you're playing in April.
3: All right, and the wind is blowing out?
4: Uh, let me see. If check the, I'm trying to check the flags. Yeah, it looks like it's a light wind blowing out at the moment.
3: Alrighty then. We'll just see if they can keep it in the if Jake can keep it in the ballpark and and other various members of the of the sh- <clears throat> short timer fraternity can can hit <laughs> it out of the park. Megan, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me.
3: Megan Montemurro of the Chicago Tribune, talking Cubs. There you go. That's that's it. I don't um, I don't I don't know what. To, do you have any thoughts? Do you have any
2: yeah, what, what I do. do. You make a, and yeah, uh, what okay. my my biggest thing about what I thought was most interesting from that interview, and something that I'm going to be looking forward to watching going forward, was the piece where she said that David Ross admitted that he let some things go too long. And I remember Ross last year, like one of the things was an underlying theme was well, Joe, Dave's going to let everybody know, like unlike Joe Madden, Dave's going to let everybody know, you know, where they are in the lineup every day, and things are going to stay static. And and now Ross is saying. I'm not going to let this happen that maybe I maybe I waited too long to make changes last year and here we are game 2 and I get it it's a lefty so maybe that's part of why Wilson Contreras is leading off but the offense has been bad over the last couple of years and they you know with hitting with runners in scoring position and obviously what they did and didn't do against the Pittsburgh Pirates so my takeaway like one thing I'm going to be watching very closely this year is David Ross year 2 and if he is, you know, unafraid to make real changes, sitting guys, you know, screwing around with the lineup, all that kind of stuff, and the Joe Madden line denistas are going to come after him too.
3: Yeah, the the lineup. I think David Ross was. This is okay. I was your friend. I was your teammate before. I yep. was your friend. I know what you wanted. I know you wanted some <laughs> stability. You didn't. This is the way you wanted it. And what did you give me? One of the worst offenses ever, and we sucked, and we got run out of the playoffs by the Marlins. So
2: exactly that was
3: even in a bad year whatever, somebody won a World Series, and it was and and they hit the ball, and so I think that he had he had had enough. That's it. 60 games showed me the playoffs showed me uh, no more Mr. Goodbar. Now now we're back to what Joe was doing is you you have to earn it. I'm going to put out the best lineup for that day's pitcher for for all the all the factors. That's why I asked about the weather. How the what what's the wind doing? Who's pitching? What kind of team is this? And what's best for us? And I guess you could think, well, it only took them 60 games to learn that lesson. And that's good. Some guys don't learn. Some guys just keep doing what they're doing because they wanted to be they were friends with those guys. That's what I Yes. Mean. Former player as a manager might do, and David Ross said, "No, uh,
2: we're done." Yeah. and I think some of that crept in last year. I think it, yep. it was human nature. And now you're right. This is this is year two, and yeah, I'm still your buddy and all that. Like when this is all said and done, we're all gonna be. But you know what? I have to be more boss than buddy this year, and that's that's. I'm I'm looking forward. I'm gonna I'm gonna be monitoring that as you will too, Steve. Monitor.
3: Yes, we all will. We're the monitoring show. That's right. Actually, we're, we're Saturday second. All right, we I think we have some Wagner to do. I don't know if we have the right sound for it, but um, but we we need to acknowledge a couple birthdays. And, he umped the Cubs game.
2: He was the plate umpire for the Cubs-Pirates. He's probably in this series. Maybe may, Can we get Wagner on the phone?
3: Oh, we should, yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: Hi, we should what ahead. are you doing, Wagner? Yeah.
3: <laughs> like All the right. whole interview <laughs> <laughs> is just, what are you doing, Wagner? You Wagner, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be good. Somebody should go down there. Can you talk to umpires anymore? Well... We're going to do it anyways Um, because we have – it's a shame we don't have one of the Fats on, one of the I'm Fat podcast co-founders. Yeah. We usually seem to have one of them on, but there's a a glorious discovery of a treasured American food. So we'll do stuff like that. Good. We are Saturday suckage, after all. So that's where we We find ourselves. I'm Steve Roosevelt. He's Mark Grody. We suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Eaten to
1: the pull side.
2: Deep to right field. Fowler is back at the wall. It is up. It clangs back in and it is gone. Bring him home for the first time. Welcome back, Adam
1: Eaton, and it's 3-1, Sox. Chicago still sucks. What are you doing, Wagner?
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh. All right, Stifler. All right, we're just sort of doing. What are you doing, Wagner? This this is one item. This one I I can't. Pops up, popped up in my timeline. It's from a couple Junes ago, but it never. It will always make me laugh. It's from Giannis. Giannis Ugo Antetokounmpo, and it's a picture of him holding two corn dogs. And he looks like he's in a mall. It says, "Just tried a corn dog for the first time. Man, God bless America." <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just love that. That just that was so perfect. God bless, because. Corn dogs are, that's a treasured American, American dish. That's just the way it is. I, I have always loved corn dogs.
2: I've surprised. never thought about how truly American the corn dog is, you are right. I mean, it, who know, there's probably some Native American recipe. I mean, corn is America. Uh-huh, yep.
3: And hot dogs, the encased meat of God knows what's in there but if it's covered in fried corn masa, then you're getting good stuff. All right, so Wednesday was a really big day for um, birthdays. Mm. First birthday was uh, a man who has a wide, glorious film career, but he turned 77 and we probably know him best, or we probably heard it more, when Christopher Walken talks about he's got the fever. He turned 77 on Wednesday, and this is from SNL. I got a fever, and the only prescription is
2: more cowbell.
3: Right? One of the great
2: moments in SNL history, I would argue.
3: (laughs) Yeah, more cowbell. He turned 77 on Wednesday. So... He's always been that strange guy, strange-looking guy. That the, do you have a favorite? Do you have let, let's, a favorite moment? A favorite movie? A,
2: yeah, a I would say I, w- I would go Pulp Fiction on yeah. that. And I mean, there, there's a lot of characters he's done, but I'm just gonna narrow it down to Pulp Fiction. I've had this uncomfortable hunk of metal oh, up <laughs> my bleep <laughs> for 18 years, Johnny. 18 years. <laughs> for, how long? for 8 years. for eight yeah i just that's thought that that really was really good it was such a temporary moment in that movie but it was just i, I that's that's the one that's my go to for Walken. what about you
3: that's yeah that's because it, the the movie the roles it was just so powerful and the way that was shot was such uh-huh. a christopher walken you were he you felt you were right up his Elementary Canal, right where that watch was, because of the, the the way the camera was handled. But him and Hairspray, I don't know if you saw Hairspray, it it was a he was terrific. That's a wonderful
2: thing. He and John Travolta were terrific. In in you know Hairspray. what else I liked him in is another um, what's his face movie, the the pulp fiction guy, um, Christopher Walken. Chris, well, no, no, the the director. I, I'm having a Quentin Tarantino. Play. Thank you. Yeah, true romance. When he's, in, he's yeah. in true romance, and he's sitting in that camper with Dennis Hopper smoking the Chesterfield uh, mm-hmm. cigarette, and in his last moments, like that—that that whole conversation between those two is just marvelous. Yes,
3: They're, the conversations are about the the Tarantino conversations are just spectacular. The opening scene yes. of Reservoir Dogs and <laughs> yeah. it is just an unbelievable thing, just the way the whole thing, and he's in that, and the way that the conversations spin around is just, it is terrific. So also Wednesday, there was another birthday. He turned 76, and he is so well-known on the score for something he didn't write, which is this. This is the piano exit from Layla. Mm-hmm. So you hear it, Chris Tannehill uses it as the, the piano exit, the exit dirge for all Chicago sports figures, however they leave the, the, the city, the earth, whatever it is. And it's also because of Goodfellas, right? It's one of the most famous film scenes in that we talk about here Is where they were finding bodies all over the city to this Martin Scorsese planned out the that those scenes those cuts the way he was going to show it on the length of this piano exit for Layla and that was done by Eric Clapton when he was with Derek and the dominoes which came about as a mistake the band's provisional name was Dell and the Dynamos, and it was misread. So they became <laughs> Derek and the Dominoes. And this was the song Layla. You 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 know what Layla sounds like. That was the yeah. song that Clapton wrote. And then Jim Gordon, who was in the band, added on this part of it. They wrote this separately. And, it, and there is a much... There's a controversial story. I don't know every fact of it, but... Jim Gordon's girlfriend, Rita Coolidge, claims that she wrote that piano exit that Jim Gordon's getting credit for on Layla, on the piano exit. Mm. Connecting some of those dots. Clapton Look played with Clapton played with every Beatle at different points in time. And he wrote Layla because he was <laughs> infatuated with George Harrison's wife, Patty. Ah. That's where Layla came from. It's the story. It's it's it was inspired by a piece of uh, literature, Persian literature, called the story of Layla and Manjun. Uh, and Clapton got his hands on a copy of it, and that's where Layla comes from. But it was inspired by his infatuation with George Harrison's wife.
2: You know, i have I'm seeing true romance pop up twice, as per our conversation a second ago. Does uh-huh. that mean people were agreeing with me, or did I say it wrong? Because sometimes, like, you see, like, I multiple I you said true romance.
3: That's what I heard.
2: That's what I thought I said. Maybe they're just people agreeing. Maybe they beat me to it. I don't know. I, okay. or we were talking
3: I, about what, you know what I think it was when I asked you yeah. what your favorite walking movie was?
2: Oh, and people already role. were texting that and before people, I yeah, said I, it. Yeah. Because yeah, that's that. my second favorite, smoking in the right. Chesterfield. Yep.
3: Yeah. The... um Something else about um, Clapton I thought was one of the greatest rock lines, one of the greatest lines I'd ever heard. And I think spoke to what the kind of performer he was and the way he regarded the band as the thing. That he was once asked, What's it like to be the greatest living guitarist? And he said, I don't know. Go ask Prince. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. That's that's a, that's a story, that's what I had read. I want it to be true because it, if you if you read about Clapton, you read about how the way he he was he just he was about the band, he wasn't about himself, he wasn't the, the Derek and the Dominoes was originally called Eric Clapton and Friends. He just didn't like that feeling, according to some biographers and other people around him, and he wanted just it's the group.
2: So, so he's a is. cool he's a good guy, man. Yeah.
3: All right. I is think Jimmy so. Page still alive? I don't know. We'll take that up next week. We'll see if all we right. can find him. Slash. Uh, now we got to say goodbye. We'll be short next week too. We'll be circumcised. We'll be snipped next week because of Cubs mm. baseball. We're doing it Out. again today. We want to thank Stifler for all of his audio content and bleeping me. And... Still sucks. Yeah. And uh, we want to thank Mark Grody for being here and Megan Montemurro for being here and you for texting in and listening and not calling. Saturday suckage back again next week on the score. Come baseballs next.
0: And I'm
3: it wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So, kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Wait. Oh, yes. Wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait,
5: wait. Oh, yeah.